0: that was great and a uh, special evening uh, a couple of summers ago I guess it was already uh, uh, Justin was here for, uh, for the whole summer uh, with us and that, that was a treat uh, that summer I got to know him a bit um, and he uh, already had a little place in my heart just because of whose uh, son he is I guess with uh, Randy and Michelle uh, we, we go way back and uh, but just to... Uh, I just noticed that Justin just had an excellent spirit, uh, and uh, loves the Lord, and uh, just, uh, it's always encouraging to see, you know, uh, next uh, generations going on to serve the Lord, and he has a a good wife and teammate to do that with, and it's not the upper peninsula, but I think it's towards the northern part of the lower peninsula you guys are are in, maybe? Center of Michigan. Center, okay. Center of uh, Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So... It's on the planet somewhere, and uh, <laughs> I'll let him explain it if he wants to. Uh, but anyways, he's going to speak tonight, and I'm just looking forward to how the Lord uh, uses him in that regard. Bless you, Thank
1: you, I'll explain it to you in the Michigander way. you got to use your hand, right? Everyone from Michigan, they're always like, I'm from here, I'm from here, I'm from here, right? So we are, we're like right in right in here. So um, You do have the Upper Peninsula. You have the Hand of Michigan. And then you have just like the upper peninsula is off up here it's not part of the hand. So it's um the lower
0: peninsula, right? it's I guess, yeah, I guess it's kind of a <laughs> peninsula. Yeah. i would just say it's just
1: the main part of Michigan like the, you know, the whole state but anyway, yeah. yeah. You got the thumb, you know, it looks like that, and we're like right there, so. Anyway, that's what everyone does. I always thought it was a joke, everyone like made fun of Michiganers for, you know, you have the hand, but they all do it all the time. You know, I was like, yep, someone lives right up here, someone lives right down here, they like in just normal conversation, so. Anyway, I really have not preached in church all that much. I teach all the time. I teach at a Christian school there in Saginaw, Michigan, Community Baptist Church and Christian School. I think, I was just thinking about it, I think this is only the fourth time I've actually preached in this church service, Um, but I do talk for a living every day, (laughs) you know, at multiple hours a day, I teach all the time, Um, most hours of the day I'm teaching or coaching, so I am talking a lot, but it is a little different than preaching. Um, You can be turning to Daniel chapter 1 if you want, Um, get ready ahead of time. I do. We teach a lot of different subjects. If you've been a part of a Christian school, you know it's not like um, public school where you have your math teacher and your English teacher. It's just whatever um, person is there, whatever class they need, they just throw a teacher in there. And um, so I, you end up teaching a lot of different things. Um, just a smaller Christian school, about 35 kids in the high school, same amount in the elementary, so smaller classes. Um, this semester, I've been teaching government, world history, speech, um, Bible, and you normally would teach music and choir and all those things, but um, that's what I was hired to do. Didn't do any of it because of COVID. So learning how to teach all these other classes that I wasn't trained to teach has been an adventure. Then coaching JV soccer for the boys. This next semester, I'll be coaching JV basketball for the boys and then teaching economics and music appreciation, world history again, and that might be it. Bible again, whatever other class they throw me into that I don't have someone to teach, I guess. But that's what we've been doing, and my wife, Ellie or Elizabeth, she's been teaching English and chemistry and all the typing classes. So we stay busy. And like I said, I do do a lot of talking, not a lot of of preaching, but this is a message that I wrote a while ago um, that I just kind of modified today for our time tonight. So Daniel chapter 1, my favorite story of the Bible, um, is the early part of Daniel's life. And really, as we look into the new year, I think a lot of the truths we find in the early part of Daniel's life um, can be of great value to us as we try to put 2020 behind us and move on to 2021. If you ever think you have a lot of problems going on around you, just read this story, Daniel chapter 1. You'll thank the Lord, at least you, you aren't in Daniel's shoes. We know the story. He's taken from his homeland, from his parents, along with all these other young people. He is a fine young man because that's all that Nebuchadnezzar wanted good-looking and smart and all those things um, well you know versed in law and all these different things that they he wanted these young men to be and he took them from Israel and wanted to train them to be working in his kingdom working for him and so Daniel just taken from everything he knows from the land he loves from his all his family and probably many of his friends and is now in Babylon But the story of Daniel is not a story about trials. Even though Daniel went through a lot of trials and really the whole beginning of his life is full of trials, I really don't find that his story is a story of trials. It's a story about being faithful to God, whether your circumstances are good or bad. Because we see Daniel, a lot of his life actually was very good and very successful. He really had anything he wanted Um, He was in a position of power. He probably had materially everything he would ever want um, because of the position he was in. And so really a lot of his life was very good, even though we see a few trials throughout the story of Daniel. He was blessed by God. He was able to see the future through visions from God. So he had a lot of good things happen, but he also had a lot of bad things happen. But there's one thing that was consistent through that whole time, and that was his faithfulness. And so that's why it's really not a story about trials, even though that's a lot of what we talk about with Daniel. It is a story of faithfulness. Keep in mind, this story begins when Daniel is a teenager, so it's really a message for every age. He started very young, up until he was very old, being faithful. Being faithful to God is not about being a pastor. It's not about being a Christian schoolteacher. It's just about being a Christian, and really being faithful to God is being a Christian. It does not begin or end at any certain age. It is something we ought to practice throughout our entire life, and we see that's exactly what Daniel did. So as we look forward into 21, 2021, and we hope that it's nothing like 2020, I saw today that only 17% of people said that they had a good year. And um, yeah, ouch. <laughs> but, um, Although really every year, there's not a very high percentage of people that say they had a good year, but uh, it was the lowest, I think ever. 17 percent of people said it was a good year. Um, so let's hope 2021 is better. But as we share as I share a reminder about really what it really means to have a New Year's resolution, because often our New Year's resolutions aren't very um, resolute. I guess they kind of fade away after, you know, January 2nd, Um, but as we move to the new year, if there's any resolution we should have, it should be to draw closer to God and be more faithful to God. And so let's look at how we can draw closer to God as the new year begins. And with that, we will read Daniel chapter one and get into the lessons we can learn from this story. Verse one says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, King of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, which part of with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and the king's seed and of the princes. Children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored, and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat, and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs, and the prince of the eunuch said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. We're we'll more of it as we go, but the first thing we see in this passage is Daniel's problem. So we'll first look at the problems Daniel had, which is somewhat looking back at this past year. Because for a lot of us, this past year has been a problem, or there's been a lot of problems in it. I don't want to talk uh, much about politics or health departments, um, but I do want to talk just a little about the problems we are all going through and learn about the faithfulness of Daniel so it can help our faithfulness through similar problems. But the first thing we see was that this problem was allowed by God. And we see that in verse 2. It says, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand and all the rest of the things, and the people. Okay, God was allowing all of these problems to happen to Daniel. Okay, it wasn't just bad luck. Um, It wasn't something to blame on other people. Okay, Daniel could have blamed this problem on other people. It wasn't his fault that the nation of Israel had been unfaithful to God and required judgment from God for the wickedness that they were involved in. Okay, that had nothing to do with Daniel. He was just a teenager at this point. So all this judgment that's coming on the nation of Israel is not Daniel's fault. So he could have blamed it on other people. He's like, well, all these terrible things are happening to me because of my parents did this and my grandparents did this and my, the people of Israel did this. Okay, but we often do that and we, maybe we just say, well, man, just bad luck. I tell you what, I never can get a break. Or we blame all our problems on other people and fail to realize that a lot of times the trials in our lives are allowed by God. And he is allowing them to come into our lives for a purpose. And so it's something that we need to recognize is allowed by God can be used to draw us closer to him and to prove, which is what it did for Daniel, our faithfulness to him. If you turn over to Romans chapter 5, we see another illustration of this. In Romans 5, 1 through 5, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, And patience, experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So rather than blame people, or even blame God, for what you're going through, focus on what God would have you learn through that trial. So during this time, you know, COVID-19, which I'm sure you're sick of hearing about, what has it done for you? Has it drawn you closer to God? I, just, I don't mean the actual virus. I know a lot of you had it. Um, I don't mean the virus drew you closer to God in some way. It's the situation around it and all the circumstances that have gone along with it. What has it done? Has it drawn you closer to God, pushed you farther away? I think for a lot of people, what it's done is just revealed who they really are or revealed how dedicated they really are to God. And I think that's a lot of times what trials do. They reveal our standing or our relationship with God and how strong it actually is. And so for people that weren't very dedicated to even coming to church, okay, they're the ones that have not been here since it started or have not ever tuned in, you know, to online even. I know some people have to stay home, so they they have just disregarded church. Well, all right, church is canceled. I guess, you know, we're done with it. Um, and I think the people that are faithful have done whatever it takes. Even if they've stayed home, they've been there every service. Right. And so, and COVID or the time and all the things that have gone on with it has not made people become, I don't think it's made many people become unfaithful to God. Or it's made, I don't think it's made a lot of people um grow a lot more faithful, although it probably has some, I think for a lot of people, it just revealed where their standing was with their relationship with God. And so it's really important when these trials come, because that's the purpose a lot of times for these trials God sends, is to learn from that time. And when those things are revealed, when it's revealed, you know, wow, my relationship with God is not good or there's things in my relationship with God that need to get better, we need to respond to those things. We're not to be dedicated just to our country and that should be important, but we have to be dedicated to our God because it's very easy to be vocal about our love for our country, especially as Americans, we've always been that way, Um, but it's much harder to make a strong stand for our faith. Daniel did not take the stands that he did because he loved his home country of Israel he took the stance he did because of his deep love for his God. Secondly, under um, this first point of Daniel's problem is it seemed impossible. The situation here, you look in verse 10. It says, and the prince of the eunuch said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. So this situation here it seems to put the Hebrew boys in a position where they have to sin. We don't exactly know what the meat here was. Some people think it was, could have been pork or other meats that were forbidden for the Israelites to eat. Um, some believe it was probably meat that was offered to idols um, that, they were, that they needed to eat afterwards. And um, it could be both of those things or a combination of those. Uh, but the problem here was the king required these young men to eat it. Okay? It was against their faith and they had to do it. Um, We know Nebuchadnezzar was a ruthless man, especially at this time, um, before God got a hold of his heart, um, because later he sentenced all his wise men to death just because they couldn't tell him what he had dreamed. Um, So it really seems like these boys have to either sin or die. It's like the two options. There's no other options. They either choose to accept the sin and do it to save their lives, or they'll be put to death, or um, they're... They could be the cause of Melzar, the person put over them. They could be the cause of him, him being put to death. Um, so it seems like an impossible situation. And we see the same thing in Acts chapter 4 um, when the apostles are told they have to stop preaching okay, or they're going to be put to death. And they make the same decision that Daniel chooses to make and don't respond just based on the devil's lie that you only have two options, sin or die. And the devil likes to tell you that the only option we have is to sin. In just this situation, you've just got to sin. You have to. Sometimes there's no choice. And it would seem the apostles, when you look in Acts chapter 4, have the same thing. They either have to stop preaching or die. And Daniel has the same situation where he either eats this meat or he dies. But that leads us right to the second point, which is Daniel's purpose. And that's found in verse 8. It says Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. The devil will attack you in your weakest points. You look in um, Luke chapter 4 and you'll see Jesus when he's being tempted. He's being tempted when he's at his weakest point. He had gone without food for 40 days and the first temptation the devil brings is turn these rocks into bread. Okay, it's his weakest point and it's a temptation that goes right along with the weakness that, he's, that he is experiencing. And so the devil, he's great at all, you know, bringing the temptations right in the worst time. Right when we're the most vulnerable. And bring the type of temptations that are the easiest for us to fall into. And one of these is a lie that there's times where we have no option but to sin. And Daniel, as a young man, we're, you know, we're talking an older teenager here. He had never had a chance to eat this meat in his life. Okay, it probably would have been you know, a great chance to actually try some of these things that he'd never had before because he would have been part of the Jewish religion. He was now in a place where no one would be there to tell him no. Okay, he would get away with it if he took it. Um, it's just him and these other Israelites. I mean, we're only told of four here that didn't actually eat it, so probably everyone else did. Okay, the people over them are all from Babylon, so they're eating this meat all the time. No one's going to tell him that it was bad that he took it. No one's there to get him in trouble for it or anything. So it was the perfect situation for the devil to attack him in specific ways that would make it easy for him to fall. But it's important to know, just like Daniel did, and we need to know the areas in which we are weak. Because those weak points are where our flesh and the devil will bring temptation right when it's easiest for us to fall. Secondly, under this, we consider Daniel's refusal because this is his reaction to that temptation. Romans 13, 1 says, um, 1 and 2, we kind of see a dilemma um, that Daniel has here. It says in Romans 13, 1 and 2, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. And 1 Peter 5.5 5, along with it says, Likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. And be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. So how do we justify Daniel's refusal to obey the king when the Bible clearly says to obey authority? Well, we could use Acts 5.29. We ought to obey God rather than men. And surely that's the principle when you're told to sin by an authority. You would obey God rather than that authority. But there's another important aspect of how Daniel interacted with this authority in this situation. Um, okay, Daniel knew that what his authority was telling him was against God's will. So that was the conviction behind his decision. But what's also very important is the way he went about it. And that's in verse 8 through 13. It says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king." Then sent Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servants I beseech thee ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. Having the wrong attitude towards authority is a great way to destroy Your testimony before the world. Unfortunately, there have been a lot of people respond the wrong way during this pandemic um, and the things around it. But more than that, there are so many Christians that destroy their testimony because they choose to respond to authority they don't like with anger, hatred, and an arrogant attitude. Daniel, on the other hand, was humble, respectful, and prepared to show his authority how he could obey his God and still be respectful of the people put over him. One of the biggest concerns I have towards the young people that we teach um, is the attitude that they have towards authority. I expect them to disobey, do foolish things, okay, because they're young people. But when I see an attitude of hatred and disdain for authority... Um, that's when it's disheartening. Um, But then, when I drive around our area and I see yard signs that say my governor is an idiot, when I see adults yelling at each other about their different politicians, or I hear church members criticizing church leadership in a way that just tears them down and makes them seem like their ministry is not even of God, I don't wonder anymore why the kids view authority the way they do. And... It's a sad story, really, the way we are even in our country and the, just all the polarizing, everything's polarizing. There's just a far left and a far right, it seems like, all the time. And in every area, whether it's religion or politics or anything, um, and we, just the attitude that people have now towards authority, um, and it's not the kid's fault a lot of times because they're being taught it by their parents, <coughs> Um, is nothing like Daniel had here in chapter 1 of the book of Daniel. And really throughout his life, as you look, the way he interacted with authority, he disagreed with his authority his entire life. He's always under wicked kings. And he's always having to say no to things that would be sinful. But you never see that anger and that arrogance that we often see today towards authority. But then we see Daniel's influence. When we take a stand for God, others will come with us. Not everyone will choose to serve God when they see us serving God, but our influence will be seen and followed by others who may be afraid to stand up themselves. You see that in verse 11 through 17, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego end up standing with Daniel, and these four men are the ones that end up not sinning and end up being blessed by God for it and end up being successful even as they move on in their lives. Daniel was the first to stand, And the one who had the plan for avoiding the king's meat. But the other three young men were influenced to stand for God because of Daniel's testimony. You know a big problem we have as Christians a lot of times is we're all waiting for someone else to take a stand first. And we see other Christians not taking a stand for God. We're afraid to. And they're afraid because they don't see anyone else. And no one is taking the stand that they need to over the world for God. So don't wait, just do it now. Others will follow your lead just like they did in Daniel's time. Daniel didn't know if anyone would stand with him. He might have stood alone and he probably would have. But others followed because of the strong stand that Daniel had and the strong testimony that he had. Don't be afraid of being left alone because when you stand for God, God is right there with you. And as you take a stand, other Christians will be there with you too. God just needs you to purpose in your heart that you will serve God No matter what. And as soon as you do. He will take care of the rest. Like he does in the story of Daniel. You do not know what God can take your testimony. And do in the lives of other people. What happened later. When the other three men were in a situation. Where the king told them not to bow down. Or to bow down to his idol. Okay Daniel wasn't there for them that time. But his influence. When they saw him stand up to the king. By not eating that meat. And drinking of that wine. When it came time for those three to take a stand they didn't hesitate to do it they took a stand when they were told to bow down to the king's idol because of the influence that Daniel had had on their life and we don't know what that stand I mean that did a work in the heart of the king because he was able to see God's hand at work in those three young men's lives so you don't know you have no idea what God can do if you personally can take a stand for him Lastly, we see Daniel's perseverance. Verse 21 says, And Daniel continued unto the first year of King Cyrus. And he continued after that, and he continued serving God till the end of his life. The theme of the beginning of Daniel's life was he purposed in his heart, and the theme of the rest of his life was Daniel continued. We know Paul said the same thing of himself in 2 Timothy 4, 7. He had fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. This purpose is a lifelong thing. It's not one time you chose to do right, another time you didn't. Another time you purposed in your heart again and then another time you didn't. Okay, this purpose that Daniel had, it's a real purpose that carries you through your whole life. It's purposing in your heart that you will never defile yourself. It doesn't matter if you're a teenager making hard decisions to stay faithful, or if you're an old man not giving up serving God till the day you die, that same purpose will carry you through. We see the same purpose in Joseph's life. He was able to run from temptation, literally run from temptation, some of the hardest temptation that could face a man in his shoes. We see the same in the story of Job. He said, blessed be the name of the Lord, after he had gone through everything he had gone through. And during that time when he lost everything. So maybe you're thinking we're all human, we sin. So I know, I just, I know I'm going to f- fail in this, there's no way I can stay f- this faithful. But how about we try, instead of planning to fail, try having a purpose in your heart that you won't. Because when we use the I'm human excuse, we're all forgetting and omitting the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I'm sure Daniel sinned at some point. It doesn't say it in scripture. The Bible never speaks of it. Because Daniel purposed in his heart to be faithful, sin never destroyed him. I said at the beginning, it's not a story about trials. It's a story about being faithful to God. Whether it's Paul, Joseph, Job, Daniel, they went through a lot. But they all had one thing in common. They stayed faithful. We've all been through a lot this year. Nothing like what those men went through, but it's all a trial for us and some of the hardest uh, times that some of us have been through. But we can be faithful. It doesn't matter the circumstances. This may be the greatest year of our life, but we should have the same faithfulness to God that we had during the pandemic. Maybe you need to have that purpose Daniel had. You're going through life trying to do what's right sometimes. Other times you just give up because you have never actually made that decision to say no to sin and stand up for what's right. Right. Maybe you just want to persevere and stay the course until you die. Maybe that's the decision you need to make. You feel like you are being faithful and you want to continue that. Um, Whatever your situation is tonight, make that decision. Whether it's getting on the right track and starting that purpose tonight and being faithful the rest of your life, or maybe you're already there. You're being faithful and you just want to continue. Go into this new year with a genuine, important New Year's resolution. A purpose in your heart that you will stay faithful to God. Say no to sin and purpose in your heart that you will not defile yourself for the things of the world. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time tonight and thank you for your word. And the story we can learn, uh, the story of Daniel that we can learn from, help us to just have the same purpose in our hearts that we won't defile ourselves with the world and the things around us, but that we will stay faithful to you. And that we will choose to do what's right, no matter the circumstances, whether they're good or bad. I thank you for all you've done for us and how you have helped us through this hard year. And I pray that our faithfulness would be even greater as we move into the new year. And that our love for you will be stronger than it ever has been. In Jesus' name, amen.